what's the what's the proverbial phrase if the chip came before the podcast episode or if the podcast episode came before the chip isn't that the saying that is that is the saying huh you know i've heard that yeah i've heard that so many times growing up and i never really understood it until until that exact situation fit your life exactly so it's one of those things where you're like man they figured this they they solved this problem thousands of years ago and uh apparently just keep running into it (sighs) what will we learn so uh Hello, everybody, and welcome to Into the Echo, a podcast where a co-host and I talk <laughs> about the Is albums that, the that changed role? our lives, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> usually it's Riley and I. Uh, we yeah, have Usually dreams. your co-host has a much more velvety voice. Unfortunately, <laughs> your velvety-voiced co-host is uh, currently living out of a garage right now. Yeah, yeah. Riley's gone this week, guys. So uh, it's uh, the voice you're hearing is none other than... Ba-ba-ba-ba. No, you're supposed to say your name. That is my name. I got to change it. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> Trumpet sounds very uh, edgy. <laughs> uh, no, but this is Austin Logan. Uh, you may know him as the co-host of 20 Minutes of Banter and one of the co-founders of Secret Weapon Productions. So uh, we are coming at you uh, live from, from... From your house. From my house. Yeah. It's great. We're in the same place um, at the same time. And we listen to the same album. And uh, (laughs) it's not Daft Punk, Random Access Memories. If you heard our little mini announcement episode on Monday, uh, (laughs) you will know that we have completely switched up albums. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that Austin didn't listen to Daft Punk, Random Access Memories. He actually had been listening to it because he knew we were going to be recording it. He was going to be one of our guests. Uh, Long story short, uh, we are talking about Alt-J's and Awesome Wave. have a bit of history with this album so we decided to be a better fit for the episode yeah especially when it's just the two of us and we don't have riley chipping in and we're like man we're gonna have a lot of stuff to say and it should be about an album that we both are really in love with and this is that album Mm -hmm. like when i first heard this album through like i think i listened to it the first time just on youtube on a playlist i listened to the whole thing through and and honestly after that very first listen through i i went and i did this little cheat that i do on amazon where i buy the physical copy of this physical cd and uh i ship that off to a friend and then i just Mm -hmm. take the digital download that comes with it uh and and that's what i listen to on my computer yeah and i was the i was the friend Uh, apropos of nothing i get something in the mail from clark (laughs) addressed to clark (laughs) (laughs) clark why why did i get your mail it's for you open it (laughs) and inside was this album and yeah so this album was actually gifted to me out of nowhere by Clark. I had no idea it was coming. He, he did not tell me it was coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just a CD. You know, well, if he likes it this much, I'll give it a listen. <laughs> and the first time I listened to it, I thought it was okay. Like a strong a strong B. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like strong 80 out of 100. Yeah. But yeah. You know, strong enough for me to listen to again. You didn't hate it, but you're like, why is this? Why, yeah, why is this so worth Such a big said, deal that yeah, Clark... Yeah. <laughs> I thought spent his own money to send me this thing. <laughs> oh, I, I paid money. The artist got money for sure. That's true. But I didn't know you you also benefited from this. I thought this was pure charity. Uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> and I'm a little hurt now. I, that... I didn't get the liner notes, and that really bumps me out because these lyrics are incomprehensible. That is so true. <laughs> 
But uh, so Alt J is an awesome wave was released in I believe May of 2012 on uh, Infection Records. How big a label is that? I don't even. Well, it's kind of it's like a spinoff of a spinoff. Like one of the guys that was that is the co-founder of it was in RCA for a while and signed some okay. big names. When when he worked for RCA, he signed some big names. But uh, pretty much the main uh, of this record label itself, I think bands you might know would be uh, the Temper Trap. They did, they did that song, uh, Sweet Disposition. It was on a car commercial. They also have local natives, who you may know. Uh, I don't, but I've heard their name enough. Uh, and there's also Vance Joy. So very much indie bands uh, with a leaning towards folk okay. and alternative rock. That is right up my alley. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I mean, I think you probably would like Vance Joy from what I've heard of them. So, But it's not a huge record label. There's not a bunch of huge you know, world touring bands. I mean, these bands are definitely known within their circles, but it's nothing like, I mean, Alt-J was their breakout. Mm. Uh, in terms of in terms of sales i gotcha <clears throat> so when this album came out i mean the band had been together since 2007 playing around roughly with the same band members i mean you look at any description of them it says it started in 2007 mm-hmm. so i have no idea what they were doing for those you know those five years before it came out i think they may have put out some singles and stuff you can dig around on youtube and there's some things that say it was you know pre an awesome wave recording but you just never know you know it's like yeah it sounds like them but it could also be a spoof for youtube views you just never know uh but when this album came out people weren't really sure what to do with it i mean Mm -hmm. like you said on your first listen through it was a solid b right yeah and uh like rolling stone only gave it like a three stars yeah Uh, yeah uh, i think what was it the onion or uh a bunch of big websites only gave it middling scores. Yeah, and like BuzzFeed and stuff. It it really did not do that well with critical ratings at first. Mm-hmm. And but I feel like you know Pitchfork's probably a little too proud to revise a lot of their ratings, mm-hmm. and and so is you know a lot of those websites. But I feel like if they weren't too proud to revise their ratings, people would probably come back in a month and give this one five stars. That, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Like I liked it just enough to continue on to the next listen, and which and with every play, it, it grew on me that much more. Until this is easily one of my top 10 albums. Yeah, I'd say it's probably top 10 for me as well. Just because there's nothing else quite like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guitar is beautiful. The piano is beautiful. Just, I mean, the instrumentation in general is beautiful. And then this album is really good at using the voice as an instrument. And Yeah, as we were going over our uh, sort of comparing notes for the songs, I really noticed that uh, there was a whole lot for each of our, our uh, specialities. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, what, you, what you tend to, to do is you... You're musically knowledgeable, so you focused on the just the composition and how it sounded. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed when I was putting together notes that the whole thing, that all the songs were so narratively deep that that's what I focused on. Yeah, you're you're way more lyrical, whereas I'm way more musical. And I feel like while both of us are able to delve into the other part, and we're able to, you know, it's it's not like we're so uh, single colored that we only focus on one thing. But I feel like we really. Um, it's, it's perfect that we're talking about this together. Yeah, there's enough in the album that we can both be drawn to different parts of it, and, and both of those parts are very robust. Yeah, and it starts off, I mean, as someone who likes the instrumental stuff, uh, the intro comes in, and immediately I'm just like, ooh, this is mm-hmm. pretty. Mm-hmm. We're met with, like, this 
beautiful just piano sound. I, if there are effects on it, then they're really subtle and they're really slight. Uh, so it's just like a just standard piano sound. We're met with this really kind of aggressive squelching guitar at first. And then it kind of mellows out after the intro, but it, we're really introduced to every album or every instrument as it comes, and it only takes about mm -hmm. ten seconds. And there's this part where it just swells, and all of a sudden everything comes in. Right. And it's really big. Cool. Heavy drums get your attention before the lyrics kick in. Yeah, yeah, and the drums are really the um, kick drum is very prominent. Mm -hmm. So it's like mostly like snares, closed hi hat, and just the kick drum is just uh, it, it's not aggressive necessarily, but it's very pronounced. And then, uh, for you, the lyrics come in. The first lyrics <laughs> of the song uh -huh. really just uh, tell you how Alt-J does lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's very, it's not so much, well, the lyrics tell a story, but in the same way a poem tells a story, where it's more about creating a mental image than actually yeah, going, yeah. You know, laying out a dialogue chapter by chapter. But mm -hmm. like, what are those lyrics? Because, yeah, I've looked them up, and it looks like it's kind of yeah. about like going to festivals or about how it's like anti-festival culture, but like... What are you getting? I, I, I get something a bit more abstract from it. Okay. Like uh, uh, the lyrics do, do are explicit. Do, can we can we say explicit? Lyrics? Oh, okay. Yeah. This is, is yeah. a custom podcast. Oh yeah. Oh perfect. We're explicit. Never have sure. non-word struck. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first lyrics are "Ship them all, festival, laugh at the beautiful." And and that got me thinking. Uh, so "Ship them all, festival." Is he saying like he wants nothing to do with these festivals? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, laugh at the beautiful. So a, a festival, it's a brightly colored event, a lot of, uh, uh, I guess, laughing, cheerful children around. And scantily clad, beautiful women, if, oh, if there you go. the coverage of EDC is any. <laughs> <laughs> so depending on your definition of festival. It's true. But the lyrics sort of set up like a, almost like a, like a renaissance festival, mm. like, a, like an old medieval, like maypoles everywhere sort of festival. Yeah. I mean, really, the instrumentation of the lyrics, it's interesting you say uh, renaissance because it really does feel like some of these songs go back to an older time and mm -hmm. an older version of the uk or an older version of the world in general it does not right. necessarily feel like it takes place in modern place america mm -hmm. you know and it's not a political album like the gorillas was it, it very much is it's a, it might be a philosophical album but not so much a like the gorillas was a very political album yeah yeah whereas this makes political references and it makes references to political literature that we'll get to later but, but more to encapsulate a feeling exactly yeah so when you say that this is maybe spitting on festival culture, but Renaissance festival, not necessarily like... Well, I think uh, the next lyric, Laugh at the Beautiful, oh, okay. really just sets it up like uh, a very uh, misanthropic view of, if it's beautiful, I hate it. Ah, I'm okay. spitting for, for this song, I am spitting on beauty. Huh. Going into the next lyric, it's just a nod to the canon. Hmm. Canon, I might be... What do you think the canon is in reference to? Because it has a couple different meanings. See, when I first listened to this album, 
well, the first 20 times I listened to this album, I thought they were saying not of the camera. Pretty much until I started doing research for this uh, episode, Mm -hmm. I thought they were saying not of the camera. And now they're saying not to the Canon. And I'm like, well, maybe it's a Canon brand camera. Oh, uh, <laughs> workaround. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I think... Um, that might just be... It might just be the nerd in me coming through. But I think... Because, you know, uh, comic books, everyone's always asking what's Canon. Yeah, what, yeah. What is, what is the, the most accepted progression in a character? Like, sequence of a progression of a character. Yeah, and I think it could be, you know, the canon as in the storyline in this, where he's saying it's not the canon, all these people doing these things that fall into place, and like, here I am kind of on the outside, like, looking at it and acknowledging it but kind of taking a different angle at it where it's like oh i see you canon like i Mm. i see what the storyline should be and i'm giving a wink to it but but it could also be like a cannon a tool of war yeah the big shooty bit yeah which is something like to nod at a cannon is kind of to laugh at at the thing that's about to destroy you to pay homage to to something that's pretty wicked by design yeah exactly i remember listening through it blind Mm -hmm. well not only could i only understand about one word and four (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The, the stories I put together are actually very abstract as I as I researched the album. Then, like the the stories it's, they wanted to tell came forward, and it's, everything sort of clicked. Yeah, and it, it kind of tied you more to like a time and a place mm-hmm. uh, in that a way that like the music does on its own independently. I feel like I was brought to a time and a place, but the lyrics just fully encapsulate that. To where it's like, nope, we're in the UK, sometime mm-hmm. in the middle of the 1900s. Like mm-hmm. it's like again not modern. Uh, so. I guess from there, the intro, it goes into uh, an interlude, right? In case the, the first song was too much for you. Yeah, they're like, oh man, that was rough. Let's, we should really <laughs> Let's calm them down a bit. give them a break after that mostly beautiful piano sound song. And we're brought to um, interlude one. She, 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 only a ba, 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 waltz to, to count, count her steps. Eighteen strides and she stops to abide by the law that she herself has set. That eighteen steps is one complete set, and before the next nine, right and nine left. She looks up up at the blue and whispers to all of the above. If the first song set up the instrumentation, then I would say Interlude 1 really set up the vocals and what's gonna, mm-hmm. going to happen with the vocals over the course of the album. We're met with an acapella intro, or at least close to acapella, of uh, monosyllabic phrases mm-hmm. that kind of build upon each other, where we have um, the lead singer, who is John Newman. His voice is met with the voice of Gus Unger Hamilton, who is the keyboard player, also does backing vocals. Uh, Interlude 1, also apparently on some copies of the album or on some websites or even in interviews and stuff, somewhere along the line they mentioned that Ripe and Ruin is another name for this uh, track. I That makes that makes sense to me because that was the most thought-provoking part of the song for me was just that line. Like I, I spent a good 10 minutes thinking, what does that mean? Yeah, and... And for those listening, the album that is, or sorry, the lyrics that he's referencing is uh, the very last line. Like all good fruit, the balance of life is in the right and ruin. And they say, like all good fruit, the balance of life, of life is the ripe and ruin. Mm-hmm. So why did that stick in your mind? Uh, well, it's one of those that almost seemed like a riddle. Oh, okay. Like, how is a raven like a writing desk? How is, how is good fruit like life? Huh. So uh, let me let me flip the question. 
What do you think it means? And then I'll respond to that. I think it's pretty straightforward. I don't see much of a riddle here where it's like, yep, the, the goodness of life is the balance between when you're at your peak and when you're slowly fading away. And it's like it, life is a culmination of these ups and downs mm. and you being your best and then you kind of fading away into, you know, dying. Well, what was profound to me is uh, I had to think about it and I thought that fruit mm-hmm. uh, is ripest right before it goes bad. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. So then thinking about how does that apply to life? And to me, it's finding that balance. Hmm. Life is around finding a balance between the things that give us pleasure and the, th- and the, the, the parts of that that seem to lead us to ruin if we overindulge. And in the same way, uh, it seems like the lyrics of this are <clears throat> kind of looking at a character who is marching back and forth, counting her steps. We, mm-hmm. we don't know. I mean, we presume that she's military. And that she's it has a military air to it. Um, yeah, I was also thinking it sounds a lot like uh, like people who count compulsively, like an OCD thing mm-hmm. or a stutter mm-hmm. thing. So either way, she's in a very tightly controlled, highly anxious position. Yeah, and I have written down someone that uses habit and obsessive compulsions to feel in control of a situation. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's the case where we meet the character who is taking nine steps or eight steps, whatever it is, back and forth, uh, stopping at just the right point to take the same amount of steps in the other direction. Um, Mm -hmm. But then she has this little discussion with uh, the powers that be about don't let me drown, don't let Mm -hmm. me, you know, go through all these deaths, like preserve my life, don't let me die. Don't let me drown, don't breathe alone, no cakes, no pines, no broken bones, never let me sink. Always feel at home. No sticks, no shanks, and no stones. She's trying to yeah. use these things to control her death or to ebb her death. And it's interesting that one of those those great powers she speaks to mm-hmm. seems to have like a corporate flavor to it. Oh. Never leave it too late. Always enjoy the taste of the great gray world of hearts. Oh. Always enjoy the taste. Hmm. I think that's a Coca-Cola motto. I kind of doubt that that's what it is, but I mean... I wouldn't be surprised, and especially because these guys do seem very counter-commercialization. Mm-hmm. They very much seem not interested in, in following any rules except for their own. <laughs> oh, you mentioned drinking. This is a good point to bring up what we are drinking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What are you drinking today, Austin? I'm drinking a Mountain Man Scotch Ale. Ooh. <laughs> oh, it's tasty. <laughs> That's made in Montana, right? It's made in Great Falls. Uh, Great Falls. Yeah, yeah. I think makes it the second good thing to come out of Great Falls. <laughs> the second first being two. Reggie Watts. <laughs> uh, I, my first drink was a white Russian uh, with homemade Kahlua. Now, let's get Kahlua. With Austin. Cheers. The uh, trick is to add way more sugar than you know like, is responsible. Way more sugar. <laughs> I like, kept tasting it. And I'm like, no, not quite right. Not quite right. And then I added a, like just tons of, uh, I'm a little bit embarrassed. Uh, but my second drink, I've moved on to uh, Angry Orchard Stone Dry Cider. And we were talking about this. The dry ciders I prefer to the Yeah, yeah. The this is cider. stone dry. So it's like 11 grams of sugar a bottle. So I don't feel as bad about this. I feel like this probably isn't any worse for me than a beer. So, uh... Riley's probably just rolling in his seat right now. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, on to track number three, Tessellate.
it's a beautiful song. Uh, this could have been one of their singles if they had chosen. Uh, they went with Breeze Blocks instead and made the music video for it, partially because the lyrics demanded a music video, but also I, I feel like Tessellate probably wouldn't play quite as well. But it is It'd be catchy. tricky because it uses so many different metaphors. Yeah, yeah, a lot of different metaphors and really non-standard instrumentation. Uh, but it is a beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, the wandering, sliding bass guitar, mm -hmm. where he's not just plucking strings, he's not just going do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Like, he's really, um, you can hear him just kind of sliding between the notes. It's very smooth. Uh, the guitar also has a pretty harsh effect on it. Mm -hmm. uh, the drum beat is pretty simple, but every now and then you'll hear him knocking against something that... It could be a glass. It could be a splash yeah. symbol. Something he, that tinks loudly. Yeah, yeah. He's using some kind of alternate uh, percussion, which we do see in a lot of the songs. Uh, mm -hmm. I think he also plays the xylophone. I think he also plays uh, maybe a handbell in one of the songs. Yeah, but I think there's a harp in there too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if the drummer plays it, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, lyrically, you said there's lots of metaphors. So I guess let's, oh, man. Yeah, let's oh, get into even that. Even when it opens, it opens strong. By chunks of me You're a shark and I'm swimming My heart still thumbs as I bleed I know your friends come sniffing Bite chunks out of me You're a shark and I'm swimming Yeah My heart still pumps as I bleed So you get this image of it just a Straight out of Jaws of blood in the water And people frantically swimming a shark circle yeah, yeah. It's very uh, visceral, as Israeli mm -hmm. likes to say. And then he changes the metaphor right in the middle of it. And all your friends come sniffing, so now it's just a, a, a <laughs> you know, a bitchy roommate sharks. and her catty friends <laughs> compared to a shark attack. Yeah, and then he changes it up completely where he talks about triangles are his favorite shape. Triangles are my favorite shape. Points, but do lines meet. Uh, what? I, you know, I was, I was going to ask you what, what, like, the profundity of that is. I mean... Like, triangles are, like, aren't they the most stable of shapes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, from an engineering standpoint, uh, they are very sturdy. Triangles are. And I, I wonder if this is a throwback to the name of the band. Uh, Alt-J itself is actually, if you were to hit Alt and then J on a Mac keyboard, it would create the Delta sign, which is a triangle. Right, right. Um, and they initially wanted their band name to just be the B Delta triangle. sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like enough people are like, eh, probably not a good idea. How would people <laughs> pronounce it? Not everybody could type it on their keyboard. If you want people to talk about your band name, they should probably be able to, to say the to, band name. To type it or say it, you know, unless you're Prince and but he already had a, you know. Right. You know, if you want to use that on maybe your album art or something like that, go for it. So I don't know if uh, the triangle thing is just a reference to the fact that they love triangles. I mean, tessellations are beautiful, and it is a really cool way to um, create something that is more beautiful than the sum of its parts. Right. So it could be and referring it's, it's to that. It's interesting well. to me uh -huh. that that the that a tessellation, the name of the song, a tessellation is a thing that, that sort of it's harmonious. Mm -hmm. It's everything getting along, and it's everything fitting where it should fit. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at the lyrics, you have a shark attack. You have <laughs> lyrics uh, literally taken out of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which I loved. Three guns and one goes off. One's empty, one's not quick enough. Three guns, one goes off, one's empty, one's not quick enough. Yeah. Like uh, Clint Eastwood does not load the ugly's gun, so when he shoots, it's a blank. Oh. 
So yeah, and it's literally. I'm so glad you are my co-host mm-hmm. right now. Sorry, Riley. I and miss search you, buddy. the grave while the cameras spin. That's the last scene of the movie. Is there's a buried treasure in one of the graves, and Clint Eastwood is digging it up. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's it's from the movie. There's no doubt about that. Cool. <laughs> See, that's the cool thing about this album is that it references movies. It references books. Shark attacks. Shark attacks. <laughs> Chunks of you will sink down to seals. Come on now. Uh, one part that I love to go back to the instrumentation is there's this beautiful little uh, lull right before. Um, so there's the pre-chorus and you can kind of hear more background singers being layered on uh, mm-hmm. more than just one. Like there's they will take, you know, one person and have them. You know, it's a very harmonious pre-chorus and then everything cuts out. Mm-hmm. And then we come back into let's tessellate and and all the instruments come back in. Let's tessellate. I love that. The first time that I heard that, it gave me chills, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. this song is really cool. Uh, when it cuts into the next song, Breeze Blocks, I feel like the tone of the instrumentation does change quite a bit. It really does. Do you know where the wild things go? They go on undertake on me. Way down I sleep, build a breakfast, now let's sleep, my love, my love, love, love. She bruises clothes, she's blood as pistol shows, hold her down when soggy clothes and breeze blows. She's morphine, queen of my vaccine, my love, my love, love. It's an upbeat song, mm-hmm. but it's not as mellow. Yeah, and it's a lot more standard instrumentation. You have just like an acoustic guitar, or at least a clean guitar sound. I don't know about acoustic. That doesn't come until later. Uh, but it actually sounds like somebody's just playing a guitar as opposed to like riffing on an electric right. guitar. Uh, the bass is way more just like standard driven. Um, and then the xylophone comes in, which which almost seals it as like a poppy sounding mm-hmm. song, because now we have virtually like a, a preschool, elementary school instrument cutting in, and it's hard for it not to sound poppy, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a change of pace from the previous songs. I feel like this song ultimately does fit in, especially with the lyrics and stuff like that. But yeah, it does... lyrically, they have a lot more in common. Yeah. Both these songs at their core, I think, are about discord between lovers and uh, efforts to try and reconcile that. Yeah, yeah. And Tessellate definitely does that in a different way where it's talking about more like the tumultuous nature of a breakup and mm. being feeling like you're being torn away or they're being torn away. Right, but it, behind that is let's Tessellate. Let's, let's find a way to come together and resume that harmony. Exactly. And, you know, he at one point kind of says, like, go alone without me, be your own beautiful flower that's you or whatever. Like, but... Even though he's saying, like, go on without me, he doesn't mean it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's saying, at the end of the day, like, let's tessellate. Uh, and then in Breeze Blocks, we get something a lot more gristly. Where it, there is a lot of gristle. <laughs> a lot of gristle. It's essentially about a, a murder and a murder victim mm-hmm. and him trying to keep her body weighed down in a tub with uh, Breeze Blocks. Or as we know in the uh, United States as Cinder Blocks. Yeah, I didn't really get the murder angle from it. I, I got him like, uh, like uh, what I heard from it was a very passive aggressive couple. Like she may contain the words to run away, but hold her down with soggy clothes and breeze blocks to me means uh-huh. like to keep her busy with like common stuff, soggy clothes. So all right, keep her busy with the laundry and breeze blocks. Oh, so, like, it may feel like there's a cinder block on your chest. Yeah, but that's just you know that's just the weight of what's not happening here. Huh. 
See, hmm. I guess when he talks about um, she may contain the urge to run away, but hold her down with soggy clothes and breeze blocks. First of all, just like listening to that right here. She may contain the urge to run away, but hold her down with soggy clothes and breeze blocks. Citrusine, your fever's greet me again. Never kisses, or do you ever send our postal? Do you know where the muffins go? They go along to take your I really like how the lyrics are um, very kind of bouncy and they go along mm-hmm. and it's it's melodic and like yes he's kind of sing or speak singing but he's very much singing and it is very mm-hmm. pretty but he is telling a narrative right now yeah he's he's not in full singing mode he's not singing a song he's telling a story mm-hmm. uh, the, the medicine he references citrazine that's an mm-hmm. antihistamine that's something you take for allergies well and he also so talks he's, about, he's calling her like a minor annoyance you gotta See, got to deal with, and this is where it's all going to come back together too. Where he says germaline or whatever that word is, mm-hmm. <laughs> disinfect the scene, my love. Please don't go. Yeah, I had to look it up. Germaline is a, it's a disinfectant, but it was one that was discontinued a few years ago. Okay, so uh, he was just grasping for a rhyme at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm telling you, man, he killed her, and all of these steps to take with the irritation of the nose and the cleaners and stuff. That's him cleaning up the body and trying to get rid of it. Okay. And the soggy clothes and breeze blocks. And and I guess I'm not being like coy here. It, if you watch the music video, it's, it, has, it has that subtext. It, in it, it is a murder in reverse. Mm. You're essentially seeing a murder in reverse where you are met at the very beginning of the music video with a body being held down by breeze blocks in a bathtub. Okay. And then, well, in a way. And then throughout the course of the music video, you see how that person gets there. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense because the song. As you go through the lyrics, it, it is building towards a breaking point. Mm-hmm, you know, break mm-hmm. down now, weep. Build build a breakfast now and sleep. Let's just move on. And it seems like this person's just trying to carry on their daily life uh, as if they had not killed someone in their bodies. Like it's it's like the whole notion of and and maybe he's using killing someone as a metaphor for like this relationship is dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going we to just keep, can't let it. Yeah, and I'm just going to keep covering it up and keep going about my daily life. Mm-hmm. And any time that um, a metaphor in this album, I, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> essentially, essentially, any time like a memory of the relationship comes back or something like that, he just does something to cover it up. Mm-hmm. He uses something to sanitize the memories away, or uses something to get rid of that irritation in his nose. And those things are like the the memories of that person creeping back to him, creeping back to him. And yeah, he does use a murder to essentially talk about the thing that passed away and now he has to deal with. But I think he's probably more likely talking about a broken relationship mm-hmm. through the lens of yeah, a, it is a, a dead very, body. Yeah. yeah, either way, it's a very broken relationship. Yeah. And yeah. at the end when he's just when they're just saying, please don't go. Yeah, yeah, but we are met with... We, just we this. know this is horrible for each other. I will eat you whole, but please come back. <laughs> please come back, yeah. And I just love that because we just hear the round go over and over and over mm-hmm. and over. And then the song's done. And uh, I think it's just beautiful. It is a very sad song. Um, very good use of the background singers. Very good use of the instrumentation. Uh, I will say, and I meant to bring this up a couple songs ago, uh, but 
Alche has what I would like to call the Adam Sandler effect. Yeah, I saw that in your notes. I really <laughs> wanted you to explain that. I mean, the first time, like when when the very first song comes on and you first hear his voice, it sounds like when Adam Sandler is trying to say something funny in that voice. And when we kiss, I know you need me too. I can't believe I found a love that's so pure and true. Oh, like like back in the '90s when all the songs were just doobie doobie doo 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 doo. Exactly. So that weird doobie doobie doo, or like the quotes that he has from Happy Gilmore. Adam Sandler is just as an entity. Yeah, Adam Sandler <laughs> just as an entity, and so pretty much that weird doobie doobie doo weird voice that Adam Sandler does. Mm-hmm. That's just how the lead singer sounds. I can kind of hear it. Yeah. So the first time I listened to this band, and the first song that I heard was Breeze Blocks. Mm-hmm. And I... That is the one that I think that got the most radio play. Yeah, yeah. And I heard it by watching the music video. That was my first impression of Alt-J. And I was sold because like the song is beautiful, the music video is beautiful, but I'm like, this guy sounds like freaking Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. And then like I looked at the comments for the video, and they're like, Adam Sandler. And I'm like, thank you! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I think we all have that band where it's just something about it just makes it kryptonite for you. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's Modest Mouse. Just the singer's lisp, I can't get past. Really? Oh. Oh, Steve, if you're listening, I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. He's never going to To a lesser extent, the new pornographers. Okay. Because okay. their, their, their lead singer also has a lisp, but... That's a deal breaker. It's a deal breaker for but, me. But the Adam Sandler effect, not so much. Yeah, no, I... I well, I guess because I tried to ignore Adam Sandler as much as possible after... <laughs> Reasonable. After, yeah, any, anything after Mr. Deeds, I, I kind of try to look past it. <laughs> Mr. Deeds, I forgot about that. <laughs> so, uh... Anyway, on to the next interlude. Apparently, we need yeah, another break. Yeah, a lot of interlude. <laughs> they really don't want to overload us. They album. really don't. They're like, one at a time. All right, let's, <laughs> whew, let's give them a breather. And this one really is like a breather type interlude. It's just a beautiful acoustic guitar, kind of classical style finger picking, uh, an acoustic bass, which is a, the first occurrence that we've heard a full acoustic bass in this mm-hmm. album. It's beautiful though. Um, kind of random bar sounds in the background, restaurant bar sounds, conversation, whatever it is, cut very subtly into the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I think um, reminds me of what do you call it? Incubus did a few songs in Morning View that had that 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 tried to sing above bar noise. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Cut it out. Yeah. I, you've been big on that album lately. Well, you brought it up on that road trip, and I just kept... <laughs> I remember that album. song. It's a good yeah. album. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of like that. Um, it does a good job with it. Uh, the the sounds aren't distracting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the songs, I mean, the sounds also aren't really part 
of the song. I mean, like there's that's a, true. There's Sublime songs where it's like the crowd noise is supposed to kind of guide you into it, and like there's one. Uh, I think when you grab a hold of me, whatever that song is, it has a lot of bar sounds at the beginning, but this doesn't do that. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like it fills out the space without being distracting without mm-hmm. it, it just makes you feel like you were in a room with people playing a guitar and those are the sounds around you right you can't pick out specific words phrases anything it just makes you feel like you're in a place which, which is, is interesting because it's a really intimate song once you delve into it intimate the, in, well, the instrumentation the, the instrumentation <laughs> Go on also the lyrics i, I love uh, what is it something good tonight to help me forget about you for now that's the next song buddy Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Interlude 2 is pure instrumentation. Here we go. But you're right. Um, it's Usually the songs are really, really good at transitioning into each other, mm-hmm. where you can barely tell. Especially yeah, I, I, I still can't. T- I have it in my show notes that these lead into each other, but they're still the same. Yeah, yeah. And like I, I think the one exception, again, is, is Breeze Blocks, where it's like, nope, Breeze Blocks feels like it was kind of pasted in between a bunch of other songs. Right. Still a great song. Love it. But instrumentation-wise, it doesn't feed to the album as a whole concept quite as much as the other songs right uh, oh i completely forgot that those were two different songs in it yeah and it's kind of a tease too because interlude two it's this beautiful sound and it kind of it gears you towards like all right we're gonna go to the mellow part mm-hmm. of the album we're just gonna really chill out yeah uh and then something good starts <laughs> and it actually is a it's a variant of that it's not a super relaxing song So something good. Um, what a sad song. Mm-hmm. Like lyrically, you were talking about. Um, there's a lot of mentions of of matadors and blood sports, uh, and something good tonight will make me forget about you for now. Where it's it's very much like the th- using things to distract yourself from heartbreak and heartache. Mm-hmm. And that might feel like you're a matador or like you're watching a matador where it's this dangerous dance of doing something that is engaging and interesting and doing something that is dangerous. And right. <laughs> like you should, and, and he kind of flips it at the beginning because in, in the beginning he's talking, he's the matador. He's going for the, the estocada, which ah. I had to look up. That's when the matador uses his sword to stab the neck of the bull. That's the, that's the killing blow. Oh, the final one where he actually uses his sword as opposed to like the more, um, the little spear thing. Yeah. The spear thing he's yeah. with the dangles. Yeah. When the, when the game's over, the, the matador uses the estocada to kill the bull. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. And later he's talking like he's, he's the bull. He gored her. Yeah, yeah. And it says, uh, now that I'm fully clean, the matador is no more and dragged from view. Now that I'm fully clean, the matador is no more and dragged from view. Where it's like in the first one, he kills the bull, and then the second one, the matador loses. Right. And, and kind of the, uh, which again, from a relationship standpoint, he is so good at looking at his viewpoint and then her viewpoint. Um, in so many of these songs, he covers both what she's thinking or what he assumes she's thinking. Mm-hmm. She's not on this album, whoever she is. So it's like, she may not have a say in how she's being portrayed. She may not feel like she ever gored him or left him for dead. But but in his mind. In his mind, like they both... He stabbed her in the neck and then gored her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and feels... Well, I guess conversely, he would both... 
if he's both the matador and the bull, then he would have died twice in those situations yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think he does feel like both the victim and the victimizer, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say, like, he's not <laughs> happy with it. Like, yeah, he's not like, okay, we're he even. He's very unhappy. In yeah, he's like, you were bad to me. I was bad to you. We, I got gored. You got stabbed. We're cool, right? Mm-hmm. Like, nope, he's not okay with that. Just just give me something to help you forget about me. For, yeah. Just let me just forget about you for now. Something good, yeah. And <laughs> at first I was thinking, he especially says like two tabs on your tongue where it feels like he, uh, I thought he was talking about acid. Of course, that's what you jump to. Two tabs on your tongue, acid, some well, kind now of you're recreational st- Now you're jumping drug. ahead. That's our next song, Dissolve Me. Oh, crap. You're right. <laughs> we oh, both got got. No. All right. <laughs> I feel uh, better now because we're, <laughs> we're both at one. <laughs> it's a great album. Uh, so in Something Good, uh, back to that, he says, 48,000 seats bleats and roars from my memories of you. That's, or, so, that's such uh, a great image. Yeah, you picture the, roar the stadium. Of the stadium. Yeah, this whole stadium just watching this whole thing go down, mm-hmm. and he is in that stadium reliving these memories, hearing this whole crowd. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a beautiful imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you think about it, in both scenarios he plays out, either where he's the matador that kills the animal, mm-hmm. or he's the bull that gores the matador, depending on who you're asking, he's the bad guy both times. Yeah, exactly. And and some people are rooting for one side, some people are rooting for the other, and I'm sure that he's probably feeling both sides of it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some bands like uh, the Decemberists, who I love. Mm-hmm. You, you know my fanatical love for those guys. Absolutely. But, but the lyrics get a little heavy at times, where they where they carry more than the music does. Yeah, and you have to have that balance of like, what's more interesting to listen to? And are you going to go back and listen to that musical mm-hmm. interlude again, or are you going to go look up the lyrics? You know, it should really kind of vary back and forth. Yeah, and judging by what we both latched onto, I think this it has that balance. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> Speaking of instrumentation, going into Dissolve Me, we are introduced to what I, I swear that's a pan flute or a wood flute or Mm -hmm. something. sounds like a, a woodwind but there's enough behind it that it, it it mixes and we don't quite know what we're listening to yeah and i think like it is probably a woodwind effect on a chord keyboard which is yeah. why that it builds a chord you know i don't think they recorded a flute playing three different versions and layering it like nope they just yeah. did piano chords with a woodwind effect but they did it too great effect and you said uh, this might be your favorite song in the album oh it's so beautiful it might be it very well might be uh it is one that I will listen to on its own quite a bit. Um, just something about how how happy sounding it is with, I mean, right away, again, we hear this like, do, 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 do. And then what it turns into where all of the instruments kind of come in and, the, mm-hmm. and the, it starts out as just like the woodwind and the drummer and then everything else, I think I got that right, um, comes in. And it's just so pretty. Just so mm-hmm. pretty. And then the lyrics come in, and he says, uh, Two tabs on your tongue. I the shepherds, I heard the sheep sleep, now my only one. Woken sweet hearts. 
sleep apart. Now dissolve me, two tabs on your tongue. A herd of shepherds to herd the sheep. Sleep now, my only one. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, way more mellow. I think this is the only song in the album where he's happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's so nice because it's happy, it's poppy, but it's it's not so, like, it's not bubblegum by no, any means. No. Uh, and like it is, it, but it has it has undertones of like something more than that, like a lullaby with a lot of pop in it. Yeah, and you mentioned that the lyrics are reminiscent of a lullaby, and and I looked them up, and I'm like, wow, yeah, you're kind of right. It does seem like he's like talking about counting sheep in kind of a way. Uh, well, it's interesting. I was looking it up, and it turns out um, uh, I forget which band member hmm. said it, but on their SoundCloud, it's one of the little little quotes. Dissolve Me is about the bedtime routine I had as a child with my mom. Hmm. She would play this game uh, in which she would describe a day out to the beach, and together we would go over who was there, what they were doing and wearing, the food they had brought, the ice creams being sold, the weather, and all the sounds of the beach. Then I would drift off to her making the sounds of the sea. Wow. That's beautiful. So, yeah, for one of the band members, it is a lullaby. That his mom sing, sang to him, and now he's singing about. See, I like that. I like the song even more now. Mm-hmm. That's so pretty, and you can hear it um, during the the part they keep repeating at the end. makes me deep in the North Sea. Yeah. And we hear that uh, the song ends. We're not done talking about the song yet, Mm-mm. but the song does end with that echoing of she makes the sound, she makes, and it makes this beautiful round. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful ending. Again, I'm not done talking about the song yet because <laughs> I love it. Um, but you did mention interviews and people doing interviews. I should mention, uh, check our show notes. I'm linking to an NME article, enemy, whatever you want to call it, uh, where... Uh, the lead singer, John Newman, uh, talks a lot about um, making an awesome wave, the sound of the band, where they've come from, where they're going. I think mm-hmm. I think it may have been um, right around the time that they were getting ready to announce uh, This Is All Yours, their second album that was released in 2014. Mm-hmm. I think that's around the time frame of the interview. But um, definitely check it out in our show notes. You'll learn a lot about kind of um, the personalities of the band members kind of uh, who they are as a band, which uh, if this album is anything, it's not self-referential to the band itself. Right. You never hear them say, we are in a band, we are singing songs. Some albums do that, especially rap albums. You'll hear <laughs> them talk about you know, the creation of the album in the album. You don't mm-hmm. hear any of that here. We are fully in this other kind of uh, world. So it is cool. Read the article. Check the show notes, secretopenproductions.com slash echo. You can find it from there. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so Dissolve Me. So... I really like that you're saying that the story behind it with the lullabies and the sound of the sea and this mm-hmm. thought exercise of uh, picturing this nice, serene, finding your happy place. Right. Uh, it does mention a little bit. It says broken sweethearts who sleep apart, both still pine for the other side. Spine, spoon as sleep starts and pulls. Yeah, when I first heard the song, I thought it was about two lovers who wanted to make up so they could, <laughs> so they could be in the same bed again. Yeah. And, and have that, that intimacy. It sounds like... It does mention a little bit the dead bedroom. Mm-hmm. And 
I think maybe he just slipped that in in a song about a lullaby because it is yeah, just kind of a passing that. reference. Mm-hmm. But it does, while that's not what the song is about in my mind, it's, it's not about this couple with a dead bedroom. Uh, I think it is more about the lullaby angle. But the fact that he has that line in there really helps tie it together with the album as a whole. Yeah, and the themes I think the that's why they, why they did that. So I guess I'll, I'll let us go on to the next song. Even though I just, <laughs> what a, I love this. I love Dissolve Me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say your favorite song is, by the way? My favorite song uh-huh. might be Blood Flood. Blood we Flood. haven't gotten to it yet, but uh, to me it's part of this album being evocative. Okay. And, and part of it being the, just that, like how the themes mix and clash with the music in a way that's just so cool to listen to. Hmm. I think uh, we can discuss this more when we get to that song. But Blood Flood is what gets there, gets exemplifies that to me. That's what everything's kind of been building up to, and that mm. song like hits it the best. Right. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, but I guess for now, I'm going to let you talk a bit more because oh, the next song is, is uh, Matilda. This is such a cheeky song. <laughs> like You can tell old Jay just gave no fucks when he did this. Yeah, nope. This is from Matilda. My, sh- my notes for this song are Austin, comma, go. Yeah, we've... <laughs> I mean, sure, we've, I made No, we've talked me. about it in the past, about how just so cheeky it is. It is so cheeky. This, I mean, yeah, no, this is, the ni- this is about the 1994 film Leon the Professional. Oh, okay. Natalie Portman's character is a 12-year-old girl named Matilda. Uh-huh. And... Um, I'm not going to talk here. This is all you. Yep. <laughs> Gary Oldman um, plays like a corrupt cop who kills her family. Oh, jeez. And like the only person who takes her in is like the autistic hitman Leon, who lives coincidentally <laughs> down the street. Uh. And they and they they form a a bond. And in the end, it culminates with uh, Leon going to the to Gary Oldman. With uh, like Gary thinks he has the drop on him, and he, and Leon's all shot up, and he says, "This is from Matilda." It's a, and he hands him the pin to a grenade. Oh. And he opens his vest and it's just lined with grenades. Oh, jeez. So then there's a huge explosion. So, yeah. Wow. I, uh... What is it? Yeah, I, yeah, put the grenade pin in your hand so you understand who's boss. Wow. That is from that movie. This makes so much sense now. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I did no research on this song because I trusted that you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And what is it? Yeah, no, they say, this is from Matilda. This. <laughs> yeah. They're literally telling you, no, this is... This is about the character Matilda. So I'm taking it they're like Johnny Flynn that's mentioned in the first verse. Uh, he's one of the characters. I think uh, there's like a there's like a mob boss front out of a pawn shop and I think Johnny Flynn's the name of the guy who runs the pawn shop and holds all Leon's money for him. Huh. Because in his will, he has like a note, give all my money to Matilda. That's hmm. how the movie ends, is her getting like millions of dollars from that. Oh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, her, his defeat sleeps toe-to-toe with her success. Because he dies, now this orphan is a millionaire. Oh, mm-hmm. holy cow. That's awesome, man. Thank you. <laughs> you. You probably have seen clips from the movie. You know that 
that clip on the internet where Gary Oldman says, everyone. Oh, I have seen that, yeah. That's from that movie. Oh, okay. Huh. And this one also has French in it. Yeah. What is the French? Well, it's one of those blink and you'll miss it. I think a lot of the lyrics, uh, websites reported it as, love is wonder twice. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've heard that part, but it's actually French. It's See, I caught it as French. I just didn't know what the French was. I knew it's, I'm like, this is a different language. She needs you. Her name is Matilda. Oh. So it's the same lyric, just in French. Oh, cool. Yeah, I definitely picked up on that as being French. Um, even though he's really hard to understand in the first place. <laughs> on a good day. Yeah. This song is actually pretty easy to understand, though, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's a nod. Um, the Leon was played by the uh, French actor Jean Reno. Oh, wow. So, like, Maybe hell a of a nod. Mm-hmm. Don't they do French in one other song? Um, they, yeah, they mentioned it earlier. I forget which song. Hmm. So, that's Matilda. It's beautiful. Uh, the acapella intro is great, uh, where it's just him singing... Uh, this is from Matilda. And then you hear the guitar come in, and it's... Uh, I love it. I love it. It's a great beginning to a great song. Uh, it doesn't necessarily tie into the album as a whole. No. It's very much like... In the yeah, same, that's why. That's part of why I say it's so yeah, cheeky. Yeah, it's so cheeky. <laughs> and in the same way that one of the upcoming songs is pretty much about a, a movie or a book, mm-hmm. uh, this song is completely about it's, a movie. Yeah, it's about... So there are several, well, at least two <laughs> mm-hmm. songs on this album that are directly about a movie in its entirety. That's right. all they're about. <laughs> uh, which is kind of cool. You don't get that every day. No, it's and it's, it's a very rare band that can pull that off effectively. Yeah. So that leads us really well into the, uh, <clears throat> the next song, Ms. MS. Mm-hmm. MS dot, I guess if you want to, if you want to break be fancy it down. like that, yeah. But it's it's Miz, Miz. <clears throat> and the Which name of the song to me is the, at least the saddest song on the album. Yeah, like talk about a relationship falling apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think this song is literally about a divorce. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's the divorce of the uh, lead singer or the lead. Yeah, I don't know if any of the band members have some history with that, or if that's just yeah. This is their take on that situation. But but either way, it's just so sad. And it feels very personal. It, it really feels does. very personal. And uh, I guess from a musical standpoint, uh, the xylophone is the leading instrument here. Uh, it's. I mean, sure, there's all the other instruments in there too, but the xylophone really has the uh, the melody. Uh, the guitar and the bass mostly are just making more like background noises, mm-hmm. and the drummer is just doing his drummer thing. By the way, I I love the drummer's work in this album, and he said that he was going to release a solo album um, in 2016. If he's released it, I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drummer, huh, his name is. Let's see. Tom Green. Uh, Tom with the UK spelling T-H-O-M. Tom Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he said he's going to do a solo album. I'm waiting for it. Yeah, that's a super easy name to miss, though. <laughs> Tom Green? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point. Especially with all the Radiohead news. I see Tom, and I mm-hmm. just like skip over it. Cause I'm like, Tom York, I know what this is about. Right. No album, all that. Uh, I just dated our episode. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. Like that new one that's coming out in the year 
20. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Miz, uh, the xylophone is the leading instrument. Uh, the chorus is virtually a cappella. The harmonies are gorgeous. Uh, and then when he goes into the ooh, darkers, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it's just a beautiful use of um, a cappella and uh, vocals as an instrument. Yeah, like the things that are bagging him go away for that part. So when he says darker, it yeah. sounds just that much more alone. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like he's kind of falling into the abyss, which mm-hmm. is this divorce, and it's really sad. <laughs> so uh, when the the lyrics, I, I guess to get to the lyric portion, where he says, we can't lose touch, but we can't let go. Mm-hmm. Blue and white gun, gun. made from Lego? Made from Lego. In my mind, I have a picture of like this couple that is so comfortable with each other, and they're they're laying on their living room carpet playing with Legos. Oh, I couldn't get... I, I got, like, the polar opposite. Oh, really? That. I got in my mind, like, a, like the image of a house that was packed up. Like, everything in the house packed up into boxes. Oh. With, like, the little bit, to, bit of schmutz on the floor that didn't get, like... Schmutz. Just in the corner, just like a, like a little <laughs> Lego that was just left forgotten in the corner as this house... Oh, sad. ...is essentially being moved away. Huh. Wow. I mean, that fits with the lyrics of the song a lot better, <laughs> I guess. Uh... This is the second mention of a child's toy that sticks together. Mm-hmm. I think in the first song, or maybe it's in the yeah, one. Uh, stickle bricks. Stickle bricks, which is kind of like a Lego. Uh, you, you'd know what they are if you saw them. Yeah, they're like the they're, they're like Lego bricks, but they're made out of little plastic spikes, so they stick yeah. together. It's like spindles, and it's yeah. It, it which I didn't know what those were. On. I thought uh, stickle also means stubborn, so I thought he was just saying like very, like stubborn brick ruins. That haven't fallen oh, over yet. Nope, that was the first mention of uh, Lego-like toys, mm-hmm. which leads us to the second. And yeah, so with the xylophone and the mention of Legos, you're almost led to believe within the first 20 seconds of the song that this will be a happy song. <laughs> and then it just nope. keeps getting sadder and sadder. Um, all the vowels vow to hold your name, keep your estate clean of me. Yeah, I think that's just her referring to her, her maiden name. Well, yeah, and with all the vowels... Uh, vow to hold your name he's talking about their wedding vows and what she mm-hmm. said during her wedding vows saying that we're going to stay together and that we're going to work through things contrasted to now your estate will be free of me all the promises we've literally made about keeping our estate together yeah no gone case. yeah and like clean cut we have to get separate and um he does say uh it leads into after a little bit of instrumentation it goes into uh an acapella the nights of all my youth pressed into one glass mm-hmm. of water. Before we met again with the beautiful instrumentation of the kind of island sounding mm-hmm. stuff, you can hear it now. But uh, what? Why is the music so upbeat? Like, what's with this contrast of like talking about Legos and and having like a xylophone and kind of like a more island sounding, uh, what now the millennials will call kind of a Kygo style sound, where it's like mm. this island laid back feel after the um, after the hook. It's such like upbeat uh, melodies, but the songs, the lyrics are just so sad. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh... The last song was pretty cheeky, but this one might be trying to pull one over on the audience. Like, How so? Like, really upbeat, uh, very mellow, upbeat lyrics to sort of hide this soul-crushing song. Yeah. That would make sense. I mean, it... Like, the y'all don't want to hear me, y'all just want to dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even 
I guess one example where he says, uh, we have our weight, 10,000 ladybirds, mm-hmm. or ladybugs, ladybugs in American yeah. parlance, where it's like, he's, he's saying, like, we have all this yeah. baggage, but he's talking yeah. about it with, like, these cute little insects. Mm-hmm. Again, I contrast. get in my mind just like a, like a silhouette made of ladybugs that just all fly away at once. Yeah, and I kind of get, like, the house <laughs> from up only being lifted by ladybugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> eh, close enough. So this band is literally making special effects happen in our minds. That's, that's how good they are. That's how good they are. Oh. <laughs> I still love that lyric. The nights of all my youth pressed into one glass of water. Yeah, absolutely. About all the wasted years. Yeah, like, yeah. This this marriage means like all these all the time and effort. Now that we're getting divorced, means nothing now. Yeah. Like all of it might as well just be a glass of water and thrown out. Yep. And some people read into these lyrics and saying like, "Oh, he's talking about a hangover and a glass of water." Nah, nah. I don't really see. It. I don't buy it. Yeah. I, I think maybe it is this song captures a moment of him drinking a glass of water, thinking about all the old times. But even that, no, I think the glass of water is, it's, it's secondary. I don't think it's mm-hmm. a main plot point or it tells us that much. Like that old saying, well, all the, all the hope in the world and 25 cents, I'll get you a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like when he says, uh, some things lie too deep for tears to well. Mm-hmm. Some things are too deep for tears to well. Close eyes open close again feel as my body spells. I think I know. I, it's I, like some things are so sad that, yeah, you can't even cry a, it out. Like <laughs> I think we've all been there. If you've been too sad we just sit there like a lump, like Yeah. I'm so sad I can't even make things happen to my body right now. Yeah. It's like I'm I'm more sad than to cry. Mm-hmm. And that's really sad. I know. Because if you're just... With the upbeat island music. <laughs> yeah, with the... And the xylophone. It's just like, guys, stop it. Like, no, no, don't, no. <laughs> yeah, Come but back. This song is probably top three. I, I think this song mm-hmm. and Dissolve Me and Breeze Blocks all kind of take turns, depending on my day, depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. They all take turns as my favorite. But this, uh, the instrumentation, for sure, on this song is, is clearly, like, one of my favorites. You know, as we move on to the, the next song, number 10, Fitz Pleasure, Ugh. I take back what I said. This is the, <laughs> the saddest song on the album. Okay, yeah. So Fitz Pleasure, uh, it's no, um, it's it's definitely not uh, a secret that this is about uh, the s- uh, yeah a book that came out I want to say nineteen sixty four sixty five yeah called the the last exit to Brooklyn yeah I think in the book it had like a num- lot of vignettes about just shitty things happening in New York and it's like a slice of you know city life yeah and it was really uh, uncompromising in what it said. Well, it's honest. Mm-hmm. It's like... Bad things happen in the big city. Yeah, and it's like, even if these specific incidences didn't happen, you know that something virtually identical yeah. to it is happening. But it was the, the just right after the 50s. So it was actually uh, banned in a lot of countries after it came out. The book was, yeah. The book was banned, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think Britain had a major court case regarding the book, 
where it was banned, then went to court, then the ban was overturned. Yeah, and that's that precedent. Yeah, it set precedent. So a lot of censorship laws were actually overturned because of this book. So it makes sense why a British ban would consider it significant. Yeah, and it also makes sense why this particular story or a book containing the story might be censored for some like schools and stuff like that because yeah. it's talking about a, a prostitute. Yeah, Trawala is a prostitute. Yeah, who is uh, who? Who I think is gang raped by a bunch of sailors on leave. Yep. And yep. at the end of the story, she's she's uh, killed by being impaled on a broomstick. Yeah. And and he did not say gang planked. She was not a she was not put on the gang plank by a bunch of sailors. <laughs> no, it wasn't a pirate. <laughs> she was not gang planked. She was gang the other thing raped. Yes, uh, absolutely. And it's grisly. And yeah, and it, you can even hear it in the instrumentality of the song. Go or on. When you come in, it's a really heavy guitar. Just oh yeah, just just really just chugging on it. Yeah, and this is one of the only times we hear the, the actual like chug, what I call the chug effect, on the guitar where it's just like, yeah, it's a lot harsher, and you can hear that, yeah, right away. And, and uh, I, I've never actually read the book, but it sounds to me like a lot of lyrics are taken from it. And uh, especially the lyrics, when I've listened to it without knowing the backstory, and you hear tra la la tra la la it la. sounds just like it sounds tra, like la, la is yeah tra la 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 but like nope they're singing the name of the character of the character establishing being raped the character, to death being raped to death uh some say that the broomstick got involved with the raping but uh, others say that she was just piked on it uh again i haven't read it uh, I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you i know it's gruesome yeah it's it's definitely gruesome and it it is you know Brooklyn in the, you know, early 20th century. Mm-hmm. It was an ugly, ugly place. It still was, I mean, up until... Yeah, up until, what, late 80s when the safety stuff came around? Yeah, and there's still, I mean, even then it took a long time. And and even now we still have all sorts of atrocities going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the song, again, it's not subtle about the fact that that's what it's about. It, that's what the song is about. And he is in full Adam Sandler mode too, where it's like he is very much like hey, you're out, pleasure. But he's not trying to clearly enunciate these lyrics. He's running mm-hmm. them together. He's slurring them together um, with the hopes that you'll read the liner notes. He's not trying to be comprehensible. Yeah, uh, which is fine. He doesn't have to be. It's, it's 2016, man. Like we can, we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> they also talk about in the song. Um, John Newman in that pre-mentioned article where, or, <clears throat> where John Newman talks to Enemy, he says that the line about uh, Mandela boys become Mandela men. Apparently, the Mandela boys was a gang in the area that he grew up oh and that's him kind of wondering about like where did they go did they go on to commit these atrocities or did they grow up and become men with wives and kids uh what happened to them so he's bringing it a little back into his life where he's like here's the atrocities that this gang did how about this gang that terrorized my town where i grew up and that we were so scared of did they grow up to become is this this a story from their past or is this something they're going to do in the future yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so he's he's tying it together uh both the past and the present and then you know making mention of the future so 
Great article. Uh, <laughs> so that's Fitz Pleasure. It's mm-hmm. weird. It's gruesome. It is very much about one topic, though he does uh, when they spell out the C O double M O N. I know that's yeah. That's another <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's almost literary how they foreshadow a song they're gonna do. Yeah, and they do it so well because I mean. Two songs from now in Blood Flood, they're spelling that out continuously. Mm-hmm. But here it's just kind of this passing, they're setting the space. It takes place in the commons. Uh, this whole incident occurred. Uh, but before we get to Blood Flood, they give us one more little break. Uh, after this one, I, I actually understand. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like we just heard about this gal getting after, killed. Yeah, after someone who and... death by broom and <laughs> like a hideous divorce before that. I, I can see why they and I need to take a breather. Yeah, so I'm very <laughs> thankful for Interlude 3. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to maybe encroach on some copyright infringement. I'm going to play the entire song for you guys. I've never done this before. I've never played the whole song. So here is Interlude 3 in its entirety. So, uh, yeah, don't sue me, please. (laughs) (laughs) I I can attest, he does not have the money. I I really don't. uh, (laughs) We're commenting on it. Uh, Anyway, so that's Interlude 3. It's it's a really pretty piano song. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a a piece of pickled ginger. It's like a smell of coffee. It's to to move you on to the rest of the... Yeah. And, uh, And it does. Leads us right into Blood Flood. intro with the piano and the bass guitar Mm -hmm. Uh, i love this i love uh their interplay um i love how you heard i mean you just heard the teacher and the student samples where there's Mm -hmm. almost like this weird demonic undertone yeah i don't know if they were just like trying to if they just warped the audio so it sounded strange behind the track yeah but i know for I, i think some other people I've read online have had this same thing happen to them, <laughs> where there's the, the distorted audio of the children. Uh-huh. Just, uh, it sticks out better than the other stuff. Uh-huh. So what happened to me is last night I was listening to this album as I fell asleep. Uh-huh. I had my, my earphones uh, way down low. But, uh, so I was dozing <laughs> off. I just had just heard a piano interlude. Yeah, yeah. And so. the only thing I hear, because my, my, my earphones were turned down so low, was just the demonic children. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Well, hello. <laughs> so it's really, it's mixed in such a way that it's almost like a little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. I've written down, I don't know if it's meant to be demonic or just dissonant. Right. It feels demonic. It's technically dissonant. Uh, it's, it's, either way, it's kind of a weird... We don't have any other samples like this. Yeah. And it comes out of nowhere. I love it. I think it's great. And I think it fits in. It doesn't stick out, except for, like you said, the way it's mixed. Maybe it sticks out. 
but like it feels right at home mm-hmm. in the musicality of the song. I know. Yeah. Not only <laughs> is it my favorite, it's I think undeniably the most British. This is your favorite. This is my favorite. Huh. All right, now we get to the uh, the, the the joke I promised you earlier. Because we're going to talk about this <sighs> song. I'm this so song. excited. I am yep. enough drinks in that I am going to like this. All right, <laughs> All right the song uh-huh. is about uh, one of the band members. Augustus <laughs> Figaro, Nieser, Uncle, Hamberton, Johann, Gamble, Putty, Von Hauptkopf of Ulm. Was a ta- <laughs> that's, that's the joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think you said it in German, but that's still a funny joke. I still get it. That's an old uh, Monty Python sketch. <laughs> Google Johann Gamble Putty if you want to have a, a reasonably funny five minutes. <laughs> so yeah, the band member Augustus Figaro, Niso, Unger, Hamilton, Johann, Gamble, Putty, Von Hauptkopf of Ulm was actually attacked outside of uh, Southampton Common. It's a, it's a big park. For those of you who don't know what that is, which was me until yesterday. So he was attacked in this park, and this song is like the adrenaline spike he felt right before he got his ass kicked. I really like um, musically what he did with this where I, I mentioned earlier that there's songs where he does a lot with syllables mm-hmm. this is one of them yeah uh, he does a lot with the spaces there's one part where he says uh, breathe in exhale mm-hmm. and he does both yeah you can with hear the song. It. Mm-hmm. yeah and I love that that's beautiful breathe in exhale I thought enough you slap me like right there you get just some really clever lyricism right. to set the stage the, for the song i've poked a nerve he'll slap me like a whale slaps the then he goes right back yeah. into C O double M O N. Yeah, it's he's really gonna clever. hit me like a whale slaps the C in the common. Like, oh man, <laughs> whale. Does it say whale in the book? I always thought it was wave. It's like a whale slaps the C with his. Oh, cool. With his big whale tail. Huh. Also, um, I really like the guitar interlude. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of sounds like uh, like they almost did like a vocoder with the guitar, where it almost sounds like there's like vocal cuts with the guitar. It, it makes more sense when you listen to it, but. Uh, <laughs> There's a, I can't tell where there's like this weird guitar piano interlude. I can't really tell what instrument it is. It's, let's see, it's right here transitioning into the second verse. Yeah, so I can't entirely tell what instrument that is. Um, I, I want to say guitar could be the piano with an effect. Whatever, doesn't matter. Um, oh, this is the title track, or as close as we get to it, where he says a wave, an, an awesome, awesome wave. wave. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the closest that we'll get to a title track. This is where the song or the album gets its name. And that to me is interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, So if... We look at this from a musical standpoint, how the instruments are being used, how the lyrics are being used, and knowing that this song was important enough that it is their title track, yeah this, is, yeah, this is the one they're leading the, the ship with. Yeah, it's like, wow, 
that makes so much sense why this album sounds the way it does how this song is so so tight within the narrative of mm-hmm. the album within the sound of the narrative or a uh, sound of the that album. It literally gets foreshadowed yeah yeah it's like <laughs> this is uh in many ways like if you were to say like what is the overall sound of this album you could just play them this relatively short sound or mm-hmm. this short song and you'd get it you'd be like okay well the lyrics are pretty clever he sounds stuff out it's monosyllabic kind of almost chanting mm-hmm. uh pretty clever stuff happened with the instruments behind it yeah and then a decent amount of empty space all the the tricks they've used one at a time for the other songs are all uh-huh. happening at once for this one so if you were to if you were to say alt j you could say this is a pretty good slice of what they do huh this is the this is the creme de la creme. This is the, this, the the good stuff. This is what they bring to the table. Yeah. And I guess my favorite part of the song is probably when you get um, all of the looping lyrics where they make like mm-hmm. a round. say that like it is a highlight of the album where all of these little things are rounding and rounding and it's more and more chaos and then it clears up to just the c mm. o double m o n and it's interesting that earlier they, they used the c as like a calming thing yeah yeah the c has been many things it's been like the water was used to hide a body the water was used to soothe him the water was used as a reference to yeah it, it's so many things and like you said this is a culmination so while it's not my favorite song it involves one of my favorite moments in the album of that swirling madness Mm -hmm. and then all coming back to the spelling. Um, And it ends with kind of a smaller version of that swirling going to the C-O-double-M-O-N and then it comes to kind of a sharp end, which leads us into the next song. Mm -hmm. Taro, are you ready for this? Yep. If it's not uh, one of my favorites, it's certainly, I think, the most interesting. Yeah. What a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. Uh, What a beautiful story it tells. Yeah. And that story is of um, Hungarian photographer Robert Kappa. Uh, He was a Hungarian war journalist, but uh, he worked a lot and followed a lot of French troops. Um, He did a lot of photography also during the Spanish Civil War. Where he lost his partner. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about this song. Because the, the song's name is, is Taro. Mm-hmm. But it's about Robert Kappa. So the story is about how Robert Kappa, the, the, the photojournalist, died. Yeah. But it's being wrote to his uh, deceased lover. Uh, what's her name? Gerda? Gerda Taro. Gerda. Gerda Taro. Who, died, who actually died in the Spanish Civil War 20 years prior to when he died. While assisting him with his photojournalism. Mm-hmm. So, so it's about was... a photojournalist that died being written to his dead lover. Yeah. And it's... I didn't really understand or make that connection until you talked to me about it and I looked it up and I'm like, sure as shit. Like, mm-hmm. It really is. And that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that it's a song to 
someone who's already deceased about someone that she loves being deceased and the way that that robert kappa dies is tragic like mm-hmm. he's watching these french troops go in and he gets these beautiful shots but then he eventually ends up getting blown up he loses his leg mm-hmm. yeah he's, he's rushing to cover uh something that's happening and he steps on a landmine yeah yeah and his leg gets blown off and he's really that's, too yeah. far out to be helped and he just kind of slowly bleeds they're trying to get him back to a hospital and that's pretty much the end of him yeah and he's just kind of cold and we hear that in the lyrics of him kind of fading away and being cold mm-hmm. um but we're brought right into the action with the lyrics where it says uh kappa jumps jeep two feet creep up on the road to photo to record meat, meat lumps, lumps and war oh <laughs> meat lumps mm-hmm. which kind of goes back to the tessellate song like shark attack being ground up into chunks, chunks of sink yeah and and it really is bringing down like human death and war and stuff like that where like mm-hmm. no is, i think you're o'reilly's word can i steal that Vistra- again? <laughs> <laughs> i think you have like a five time use limit before, before i have to start be, paying like, royalties that's my, yeah. <laughs> but it is visceral it is and i think you ask any war photographer or anyone who's been in war and like no what people don't think about with war is you see meat Just, chunks you see chunks of people you see chunks of people and like i mean even a lot of the 9-11 rescue workers Mm-hmm. I bet a lot of them went vegetarian, man. I bet a lot of them went vegetarian because they saw a whole lot of what looked like just ground mm-hmm. beef or steak, and it's like, nope, that's that's a person. Yeah, when bad things happen, we revert to our components, which is mostly viscera. Yeah, yeah, we are nothing but flesh at the end of the day. I mean, that's Riley's prevailing theory, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine, you know. And and we don't always agree on that, but I love his take on it, and um, I, I think that's likely your take as well. Uh, so it mentions the incident itself, uh, where Kappa, it says, um, burst so high, finally Kappa lands, mine, mine is, is a watery, watery pit. pit. Oh God, that's so evocative. Yeah. Or you, just a very yellow white flash. It's kind of dissonant to the song too. So it's like, there's, yeah. a, there's an explosion. Austin's doing a lot of stuff with his hands right now. You can't see it. He's making a lot of the explosive gestures. His fingers are going in many directions quickly. (laughs) Yeah, we need to make this more of a radio play just so I can come across more clearly. (laughs) And in the same way that they use tra-la-la as a a musical lyric, essentially, in Fitz Pleasure, they use kappa here. They just use the, the syllables of kappa over and over and over again to fit this the syllabic layout. Main lies with a great closeness. Two kappa, two kappa, kappa dark. Nothing, nothing reunited with this pet. And we lose our own. And like, it feels like they're saying kappa, kappa. And like, they're using his name as just something to fit into the music. I mean, it always makes sense, but like, it's a... Uh, it's interesting how they use his name. Oh, mm-hmm. and there's this part, I, I feel like it'd be a shame if we glossed over this, where he goes to this one part where he says, do not spray into eyes. I have sprayed you into my eyes. So I love the instrumentation that comes in right after that you're hearing now where it's kind of like, um, I don't even know what instrument I'd call this, but it's beautiful and I love it. And again, this is one of those moments where it kind of makes the the imaginary hairs on the back of my neck stand up mm-hmm. <laughs> and it sends chills up my spine um and i just love whatever that instrumentation is i don't know if it's the percussionist or the keyboardist or the guitar player i don't care it's beautiful mm-hmm. 
And and I don't think there's really a consensus on what that means either. Yeah, what do you think that means? The um, do not spray into eyes. I think uh, I think it's the narrator trying to be a little macho, or like, <laughs> you know, you don't, don't spray it into your eyes. I've sprayed you in. So he's saying his eyes are watering. He doesn't know why. Like, I'm not crying. There's something in my eyes. Oh, like oh, somebody's cutting onions in here. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I don't know. I just assumed like. In the same way that, like, bear spray will advise you do not spray into eyes because it will stay with you. Mm-hmm. It will hurt. It will burn. It will take over your mindset. It will do everything. I feel like he's saying do not spray into eyes. I've like sprayed the story you. Like, is so sad. Yeah, it's like I have seen what you've it. seen through your camera lens and oh, it is sticking, it's sticking with, with me. me. It, I can't shake it. Do not... Do not take this in because it will it won't leave. It'll leave. Mm-hmm. And like the images you'll see if you look up Robert Kappa, you'll see these images. And it's kind of like um it's reminiscent of like the D-Day imagery where you see like that beach on D-Day mm-hmm. and there's all the all yeah, just a lot of corpses you everywhere. You see the anti-tank stuff and it's like this black and white but it's guys running and you just know that like statistically not going to make it. Not going to make it. And the Indochina war was not a clean war. Mm-hmm. And you see these images of these French troops running in knowing that... Um, yeah, I think it calls back to that. Where the lyric, left hand grasps what the body grasps not, the photographe more. Oh. Well, there's more French, so the, photo- the photographer is dead. Oh. But I think uh, left hand grasps what the, what the body grasps not. I think, and don't quote me on this, I think that's a caption for one of the photos Kappa took. Oh, really? Of, a, of an injured body and the left hand is in the fencer's reflex. Huh. So if you're if you get like a big injury on your head, like a life yeah, the injury, f- the fencer's reflex. So your body will go like that. To, your body will one arm goes in, the other goes out to protect yourself. Yeah, and like you'll see that on like live leak videos of like, oh, guy jumps off a waterfall but actually hits some ground behind it. You'll see the fencing response or the fencing. Um, it's also called posting sometimes, but uh, you'll see essentially the person freeze up and kind of go Frankenstein a little bit. That's how you know, man. That person That's is how you concussed know. Yeah. real bad. That's the spine working on autopilot. Yeah. And, uh, wow, I didn't tie that lyric together. But it makes sense. The fencing response, the, fencing, the posting response um, from one of his pictures. Look it up. Uh, I may include a link or two to his pictures in the show notes. I'll probably just link to his wiki. Um, but definitely delve in a little bit. It's sad, but it's true, man. Like, that's war. If, you, mm-hmm. if you're, at, I guess... Um, I'm going to pull O'Reilly here. I miss you, man. Uh, I'm going to pull O'Reilly, and I'm going to get political. If you are a war hawk, this is what you're asking for. This is what you're asking for. You're you're not asking for, like, oh, yeah, we'll send in some troops to Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, kill those terrorists. Nope, you are making... You're asking for meat chunks. You're asking for meat chunks. And you're asking for young men and women to get blown up by landmines. And they have families, and the the people they're killing have families. So it's like, I hope you know that. I I really hope you understand. We're not. That won't be a very good discussion because I'm on your side. So I'm just gonna. Yeah, there you go. But like, even though in today where it's like, oh, but it's just drones and aircraft carriers now. Nope, nope. There are people on the ground getting blown up, and there are people, there are children finding their fathers dead, and their fathers played Mm -hmm. no role in the war. They were innocent. They were blown up, and now they're meat chunks. So uh, remember that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a pacifist, but. People are very... Yeah, don't very... ask for meat chunks lightly, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Don't ask for meat chunks lightly. Uh, that is my preaching. Um, <laughs> comment on secretweaponproductions.com slash echo. We're also on Facebook, Into the Echo, Instagram, uh, 
at Echo Podcast, Twitter at Words. Or, whoa, ew. Uh, oh, Echo don't, don't Pod. Cross the streams. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to fight about it, great. Find us yeah. online. We're there. Um, you can argue with it with me on Twitter. I'm uh, at Austin A. Logan or at Twenty Minutes Banter. And I'm at Clark Hodges. And we're not done with yeah, the if album you agree, yet. Agree, disagree. I <laughs> uh, want to add something to it. I uh, want to discuss. No, actually, no. Please don't discuss meat chunks unless yeah, no. Unless you got something to contribute, but no, uh, please don't. Uh, you know where to find us now if you uh, if you want to discuss. Yeah, but we do have one more song. <laughs> <laughs> Although before we before we move on, okay, there is one part of this song I take issue with. Mm-hmm. It's that one part that. Hey Daryl, it's a little cheesy. The yeah, a little bit anthemic uh, for a very sad song. <laughs> And they're just like chanting somebody's name. Hey, hey, this is about you and your husband or partner, at least, that died. Uh, hey, yeah. Taro. <laughs> that is very informal. I'll agree with that. As long as I'm complaining. Okay. As we move on to song number 14, Handmade. Your stingray photoshops my skin. Doctor scratch, scratch, now I'm Legions upon legions of gross moon and feeling. You hate this song. I, I don't. Well, I take uh, issue with the song because it followed Tarot. Oh, okay. I think Tarot would be a great place to end the album. Mm-hmm. Like, it really, really dropped the mic as they bring it to a close. And as just cutting as the rest of the album is, this one seems like a little bit of a psych or. Here's a little bit of fluff for you to send you on your merry way. Yeah, and you know what this is? And it pisses me off. I think I uh, I complain about this in my other podcast, Wordstruck, every time J.K. Rowling does this in Harry Potter. But this is essentially saying, and they lived happily ever after. Like, this mm-hmm. is a nice, soft mm-hmm. ending that somehow tries to put a capstone on the whole album. And it feels like it tries a little bit too hard. And even though I love the harp, I really mm-hmm. do. The harp is gorgeous. And the instrumentation is great. Yeah, like the song and components, I actually really enjoy. Yeah. But its place in the album and maybe uh, the lack thereof is what gets to me. Yeah. And I like, mean, I will say like, okay, like in parts, okay, name one lyric without mm. looking. That's, I love that. Well, I mean, I already saw it before you asked the question. Ah, but, crap. But I love that. Your stingray full stops my skin. Okay, well, something, something. Now I'm bleeding. I mean, it's it's it is pretty, and the mm-hmm. lyrics are pretty, but I didn't remember that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I don't know. The lyrics with this just didn't really stick with me. Even though, like I said, beautiful song, mm-hmm. beautiful. And I honestly like I don't dislike it for the flow of the album as much, simply because I listened to the whole album on repeat, mm-hmm. meaning that this is a lead up back into intro, back into interlude one, and in that okay. it it makes a bit more sense. It is just pretty much three big, long interludes in a row, mm-hmm. but it does lead back into the beginning of the album quite well. Okay. Whereas yeah, you, you mentioned this with, tarot, the, with the Demon Days. Yeah, yeah. And that is a great one of a song that just, just keeps coming back. And, yeah, and I, I think that... This is kind of, I think this is kind of a bump in that road. Like, I think Taro leading into the first song would... Really? Flow better? I mean, I, mean you, I think it would flow better, but you'd just be in a depressive downspin. He's doing so many hand motions right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... I don't know. I, I think it doesn't take away from it quite as much. Um, I will admit that it's one of the weaker songs. It is pretty. I like, um, again, we get some weird vocal samples. It sounds like it's from like some kind of movie, maybe some kind mm. of nurse or something. Are you sitting comfortably? Begin. I think that was a British thing like that opened like a TV show or maybe their BBC News in the 60s. 
Oh, that could like, be it. Are you sitting comfortably? Good. Let's begin. Oh, man. I just Like, that was, was something they said before every, like, I want to say newscast or show really? or something like that. Mm-hmm. Huh. I figured it was just the start of, like, a therapy session. It sounds <laughs> well, like it. Huh. I mean, I guess in a way. That's interesting. So, yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. I know I know they used Are You Sitting Comfortably for something. Huh. That's like Their cool. version of a fireside chat, maybe. I don't know. And if we find it, it'll be in the show notes. I guess, um, as an independent listen, no one's going to look up Handmade and just play this mm-hmm. on repeat. If you do, I mean, again, you know where to find us. Mm-hmm. But nobody's doing that. It's not a good song independent of itself. It's and just I a good song. I think there's one lyric that actually does tick me off in this. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm safe and warm if I stay in my chalet. Uh, what? Anyone that uses chalet in a sentence. It's like loses <laughs> points with me, I think. Chalet is one of those words that I've heard so many times, and I'm used to like chalet market, chalet everything. Yeah, there's there's like what's, a what's, sandwich place in town, like chalet market. Yeah, what's a chalet? It does really good sandwiches, actually. It's like a, it's like a, I want to say it might be French for castle, but I think the, the modern use now is just like fancy houses. In the mountains for like skiing or as a getaway. Oh, I thought that was like chateau. It's a thing rich people have. Gotcha. So chalet, chateau, castle, kind of. Okay, cool. Uh, as I kick the microphone. That's how angry that word makes me. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that's handmade. Uh, do you think the name of the song has anything to do with lyrics or? Um, it actually, I think, links to that to a couple lyrics I actually really like. Okay. Legions upon legions of craftsmen handmade my feelings for you. Legions upon legions of craftsmen. I have no idea what it means, but it's really clever. I do like that. And I will say, like, the legions upon the legions, he uses this... So, I'm talking about this way, way late in the album, last song of the <laughs> album, but, like, in the same sense that he can go full Adam Sandler, he can also go full Gregorian chant. And I know we've mentioned that before, but, like, he kind of slips into this weird mode with his singing, especially when he's being harmonized with, and it's more a cappella, where it does feel chanty. And we do see that with legions upon legions, where it's like, da, 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 da. it's very drawing. It's very pulls you in, and it, it feels like a chant of sorts. Uh, so, yeah, there are things worth mentioning in this song. I'm kind of out of them, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, of course, there is a lot more to say about this album. Um, a lot of people hate it, and they listen to it the first time, and they're like, I can't do it. I it's can't not do for it. me. Yeah, they can't get past the vocalist. I, I think instrumentally just about anybody who is big into a lot of different genres of music could get down with this album Mm -hmm. like if it was just an instrumental people would be on board i think the singer is far and away the most controversial part i can see how he would be polarizing yeah and the lyrics themselves great yeah they can be a little bit like oh we're talking about literature and it's very important look how smart we are Mm -hmm. but like even that's not nearly as uh controversial as just the lead singer's voice yeah i mean even like, I don't know I don't know music from anything, but I know what I like. But I yeah. can see how people would get upset just because like you cannot sing along to this album well. Yeah, nope, nope. Even if you look up the lyrics and you know all the lyrics, there are parts where you can come in. Uh, I find myself whistling to the song a lot. I found mm-hmm. myself just kind of generally moaning <laughs> <laughs> this song. Or in a very grating falsetto as you try to <laughs> do it justice. Yeah, but for the most part, I find myself just kind of making the general tones of it and drumming along on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm very much looking forward to, if the drummer does a solo album, awesome. If he already did, I'm going to look it up. If it's there, check the show notes. Um, I kind of doubt it. I feel like I'd have heard about it by now. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful stuff. Um, so we already mentioned where to find us. Please um, 
definitely uh, find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're there. Uh, check out other... Oh, check out Austin's podcast while you're at it, too. Yeah, uh, 20 Minutes of Banter. Yeah. Uh, at 20 Minute Banter on Twitter. What, uh, is it, uh, what is it about? It's about whatever Dan and I think is funny after a certain number of drinks each week. <laughs> so Dan is... Uh, Probably the main founder of Secret Weapon Productions, uh, Austin and I being essentially the co-founders. I mean, we're all in it together, of course, but Dan is the one who pushed us and pushed us and pushed us. So Dan and Austin are in 20 Minutes of Banter. It's a great show. Uh, go into it um, expecting nothing. It's, mm-hmm. It is 20 to 30 minutes of, of banter. banter. Uh, we just did some really great episodes where you get to meet essentially the entirety of the Secret Weapon crew. Except for Maya Nadera, shout out to Maya Nadera over in Seattle. Wish you could have been there. But um, Disney Channel original movies, check it out <laughs> on our website. Yep. So it's all there. Uh, Twenty minutes of banter, check it out. Uh, and Austin, we hope to have you back for another episode. Uh, not to tease it too much, but maybe some Wilco. Huh? Oh my. Oh my. Some maybe some Sky Boof Sky. Hopefully, uh, Riley will have a home then and can join us. Yeah, and uh, Riley, we miss you, buddy. Uh, hope you have a good move. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Tune in again in a couple weeks. Uh, I do not know the next album that we're going to be reviewing. Usually we say that at the end. I don't know. It could be Daft Punk. Uh, check the show notes and the website and our Twitter a uh, week or two from now. We'll let you know. Uh, sorry we don't know now, but it's a weird time. Uh, we're getting settled in. But anyway, good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. <laughs>